You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Welcome to the Metro LA region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. My name is Reese Kiaina, and I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service. Shout out to our friends and family in San Francisco, in LA, as well as those who are tuning in from all over the different parts of the world. Thanks so much for tuning in to our midweek service tonight. You know, we've been doing a series called The Kingdom of God. I love talking about the Kingdom of God. I was excited to teach about it last week. Uh, the sources that I've been using are from these three books right here. And, and I hope your faith has been encouraged uh, these past couple weeks. Last week, we did a lesson called Kingdom Characteristics. And we talked about four different characteristics of the kingdom. And then we talked about one practical. Practical. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is the upside down kingdom. And we're going to talk about uh, four principles about the kingdom of God that is upside down. And, and so when we live this certain way, when we put these principles into practice, they can be difficult because they're countercultural to the way we normally think in the world. Very, very different, but it produces kingdom results. As, as always, we've been looking at what's called the kingdom way, right? Where the word kingdom is basileia, which means the reign or rule of God. And it's about righteousness, where we have right standing, right relationships, life under King Jesus. And it's about having a foretaste of heaven today, the age to come, breaking into our present age and uh, disrupting it and producing different kinds of results because they're gods. And what I love about the kingdom way is that there is a right way to live. And so tonight, you know, what are some of the upside down principles to live by? There are many, but tonight we're only going to talk about four. Remember, they're tough to do. So if you find these principles difficult to do, you're on the right track. They're tough because they're countercultural to the way we think in the world. And so we are going to talk about four tonight. The first one is this in John chapter eight in verse 31 to 32. We know this passage. It says, to the Jews who had believed them, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The first principle I want to talk about is that is upside down is obedience is freedom. Obedience is freedom. And you know, this passage, we know this passage If you want to experience true freedom, learn to obey. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you obey the teaching, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Think about credit cards for a minute, right? If if you, the whole idea of spend now, pay later, right? Man, that is one of the ways where you can experience being enslaved to a in credit card a credit card company because of this idea of using credit right like paying paying for something now uh that you don't really pay off at the moment right but that later on you pay it off but you forget and then you just get trapped 
Well, this whole idea of obedience is freedom. If you want to experience freedom in our lives, one of the things we can do is to obey the Bible. But if you're like me, man, when my parents told me to obey something, I, I'm a rebel by nature. I mean, I some of you, you're just uh, you're incredibly obedient. You were an obedient child, obedient adult. Me, I'm I'm far end on the I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I had a difficult time when somebody told me to obey. When my parents told me to obey, I I naturally didn't obey. Just somebody telling me that makes me almost want to rebel. And yet, in Scripture, one of the upside down principles where is that obedience equals freedom. If you obey, you will experience true freedom. If we just learn, like like that that saying with Nike, right? Just do it. Sometimes we just have to learn to obey the Bible. In James chapter one, it says, you know, obedience will will will, will be blessed in everything that we do when we learn to obey. And so that's one of the first principles in upside down living is obedience equals freedom. I mean, think about it in your finance. If you don't live by a budget, I don't think you're going to experience freedom. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna get into financial trouble if if you uh, you know when you go to school. My oldest daughter Kalei, she's in college right now, and she she went from a very structured schedule to now just kind of like making your own schedule, and and you can experience freedom if you have a schedule. And so it's really important, you know, that that we learn this principle that obedience is freedom. Amen. The second thing I want to talk about is in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 35. Another principle that, that is, that can be challenging. They came to Capernaum. When he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who among them was greatest. He sat down and summoned the 12. So you want first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. The second thing I want to talk about, the second principle that is upside down, is that last is first. Last is first. Now, let's be honest. How many of us love to be last? Like when you're in a race or when you're on a sports team and you're playing a game, how many of us love to be last? Let's be honest. We're taught to win, right? We're taught to be first. And I want to show you a, a picture of, of what just happened to Kainani. Um, just this past Sunday, they kind of wrapped up their club soccer team with, with winning this tournament called National Cup. And, and very few people, very few people get to experience winning a tournament of this size. And they were actually got invited to another tournament next week up in Idaho where she's going to be traveling and all that. And it was a really big tournament. And look at everybody in the picture, right? They're all going, number one, number one. And, and rightly so. I mean, we can excel in life and in the kingdom of God and wanting to, you know, excel and do great, right? Jesus never said you can't do great things. He said you can. He just kind of defines what greatness is a little bit differently. And in some of these things, obviously we're, we're called to excel, right? We're, we're gonna, in your job, in your career, excel, but we're not excelling and, and being first at the expense of other people's lives. Like we don't, we call that, that sin is called selfish ambition, where we, where we have an ambition that wants to be first, the greatest, number one, and then we, we hurt people to get there. That's a sin in the Bible. But it, it's not wrong to excel and to want to be excellent at different things. And she got a chance to experience something that was really great. And that's awesome, 
right? But in the kingdom of God, you know, one of the things that we can do is that we have to learn that last is first. Learning to put ourselves last and putting Jesus first and putting others before us. Amazing. It's an amazing principle. You know, my senior year in high school, we were 0-12 in basketball. <laughs> Mercy. I mean, just, oh my gosh, it was such a bummer, man. I, I got to be honest. It was a rough season that I had. Uh, and to be last. And th- this is not what Christ is just talking about here, that when we're doing different things, we just got to strive to just always be last. And No, you can be great in other things. You can excel in other things. But one of the principles when we're working with people, when we're we're learning to do the kingdom way, is that we strive to be last. Why? Because Jesus was last. He was comfortable climbing down the ladder of success to win our hearts. You know, and I want you to look at this slide for a minute. While we are taught to climb up the ladder of success, Jesus is climbing down the ladder to relate to us. The entire life of Jesus isn't the story of someone climbing up the ladder of success, but climbing down the ladder to illustrate the kingdom life. And he is fine with humbling himself. The question is, are we fine? You know, in Philippians 2, a, a, a good illustration of Jesus climbing down the ladder where the last will be first, right? Where he puts himself last uh, is that God became human. A king became a lowly servant. A king can wash the feet of his disciples. A king can be humiliated by being crucified on the cross, most likely naked at the time, in front of the whole world to see. You see, Jesus was climbing down the ladder. And we got to make sure we don't miss that as we're sometimes striving to climb up, right? And I want to, you know, there's a difference between, you know, you, you can excel in the world. Make no mistake. We can excel. We can be great examples and, and, and want to win in sports, want to win in school and want to win in all these other areas. We can do that, right? But it's not at the expense of other people, though. It's not at the, we don't sin in order to get there. At the same time, kingdom living also, though, is in the kingdom of God, we learn to value putting our needs last and putting God's first and putting Jesus' first and putting others first. And, and, and there's that balance that takes place right there. And so this is, if you ever go, wow, I have to learn <coughs> how to think more like this kind of kingdom thinking. It's difficult to do. It's not easy to do. I have to work on it. Everybody has to work on it. That's the second principle we're looking at. The, the last will be first. The third principle is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. You have heard that the law says, the New Living Translation, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. <clears throat> in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. 
but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The third principle I would like to talk about tonight is this one right here, and perhaps this is one of the most difficult to do, is to learn to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. That's Jesus saying that. And it's a powerful concept. And it's it's one of those things, we, you just got to do it. You know, it's, just, it's, it's not easy to do. Your eyes have to be riveted on Jesus. Your attention has, you, you have to be thinking about spiritual things in order to muster up this kind of strength to love our enemies and to love those who hurt us. And uh, man, that's what I love about being in the kingdom of God. That, that's why I know a lot of these things work. It's because they're difficult and it's worth doing, but they are difficult. Love your enemies. Amen. And we have to do that in the church. What's difficult about being in a church sometimes, uh, we expect that in the world that people are going to mistreat us, right? But in the kingdom, we don't expect that. We, we don't expect somebody to mistreat, but we get mistreated all the time. It happens. If you're, if you're alive in the kingdom of God, somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to do sin against you one day. Someone's going to overlook you. Someone's going to choose this person over that person. I mean, it's just going to go astray because it's our human nature to, to, to give into our sinful nature. And so we must learn to do, love the kingdom way, which is to love our enemies. And even in the church, we have to work things out. We, we can't all think alike. You know, we, we must learn to think together rather than, try to force everyone to think like Reese, uh, we, we, we must learn how to think together and to think more like Jesus. Amen. And so let's love our enemies. It's difficult to do. And the fourth principle I want to talk about today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. You've heard these scriptures before. The issue isn't whether we learn it. The issue is just doing it. Because of the extravagance of these those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. The fourth principle that is upside down that I'd like us to consider, put it into practice in our spiritual lives, is that weakness is strength. Weakness is strength. That his, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. What an amazing principle this is. If we 
could just get this principle down, we'd have less anxiety in our life, less stress in our life, because we would learn how to unload the things that, that weigh us down. And I want you to imagine for a minute, think about stress. Think about the challenges that come your way, the different sins that, that perhaps plague you tonight or pl- plague me tonight. Uh, think about it as like the, all those things as a, a, a bunch of rocks and we're carrying all these rocks, right? I mean, wouldn't it be better just to kind of like, let it go. Let this whole bag of rocks that is weighing me down, the sin of pornography, the sin of selfishness or pride, this, all these different sins, the different anxieties in life. You know, I saw this, I heard this statistic on the news the other day that 40% of Americans are struggling with mental health challenges right now because of the pandemic. You know, I thought 40%, that's almost half of our population is struggling with mental health challenges right now. I, I feel like I am. I mean, man, this last year made me, you know, has, has kind of, kind of made me think differently about many topics. And, and I've had a lot of anxieties, a lot of stress due to the uncertainties in life and, and how my paradigm has been shifted because of the, the pandemic, you know, and different things that have gone on, the different challenges in the world. But imagine if we could just have all these rocks that we're carrying in a bag and just let it go. What, how, how that would free us up. And this is one of those principles that we, we learn to be open about our temptations, learn to be open about our weaknesses. What happened? You know, my wife, she always asked me, how's your day, honey? How's your day? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about it, especially if it's bad. I don't want to talk about it, but I do appreciate her talking to me and just going, well, how was your day? And being able to just kind of unload. You know, uh, all the things that are on my mind, on my heart. And, and, and when we're open about those things, about weakness, about insults, about difficulties that come our way, the Bible calls it biblical strength. So like tonight, when you're in discussion group tonight, when you see somebody confessing a sin or they're going, this is what I've been struggling with. This is what I'm having a hard time with. Don't, don't look at that as a sign of weakness. That, that, that's actually a sign of biblical strength. It's, they're actually being strong, being open. And that's what I love about our stories of glory, right? When, on Sunday service, when we, when people share their story of glory and they're getting open about things that are so private and things that are, that, uh, are very, that make them very vulnerable. I, that catches my attention and I know it catches Jesus' attention because it's some, it takes so much strength to do that. Imagine us just being open, just dropping all those rocks, just letting it go and experience freedom and experience joy and experience rest and relaxation, actually. You know, as we go through different challenges, C.S. Lewis said, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. If we could just let some things go, right? Learn to be open. Learn to just value openness and to look at openness as, wow, man, as I get open, weakness is strength. It's, it's what the Bible calls being strong. It's being open, being vulnerable, being weak. Because we are. That's the truth. We are. These four principles are very difficult to do. In fact, it may, may even make you question if it's worth doing. But Jesus did it, and it is the kingdom way. It produces kingdom results. Like results meaning it produces a different way uh, of being, 
of, of experiencing life, joy, peace, you know, love. It experiences, it helps you to experience deeper relationships. And if you've ever needed some encouragement by living according to just, we just talked about four principles tonight. If you ever needed some encouragement, I'd like you to consider this. I want you to look at this passage in Hebrews chapter one and verse three. It's talking about Jesus. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You know, one of the things about this, the Hebrew writer is he talks about Jesus. After Jesus uh, had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's this, uh, this illustration, this picture of Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God, right? He's sitting down next to God. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 54, when th- there's a Luke records this idea, this records Stephen and how Stephen is before the Sanhedrin giving his recollection of, of his relationship with God and what's happened, you know, and, and how he is, it, people are ready to stone him. And as they're stoning him, this was his response. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now think about that. In Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus was being recorded as sitting down at the right hand, but in Acts 7, Jesus is standing at the right hand. Now, I want you to just think about this question. Why do you think Jesus was possibly standing? He was recorded many times in the Bible as sitting down, but in this one instance where he's where he's paying attention, we get a glimpse of heaven opening up and we see Stephen having a vision there and seeing Jesus and he's standing at the right hand of God. Well, why was Jesus standing? And I'd like you to consider this. I'm not 100% sure. This is just a thought that I had. I'd like you to think about it. Perhaps it's because when you live the kingdom life, when you live heaven's way now, when we start putting into practice these principles that are extremely difficult, countercultural to the world, and, and, and tough to do, perhaps when we're living this most difficult way to live, that God knows it's hard. That Jesus knows it's hard. And that just like when someone does a great performance or someone sings a great song and or a great speech is given and people are so moved that they give a standing ovation, perhaps Jesus was doing that with Stephen. That when he was watching Stephen being stoned and his response was about saying the same thing that Jesus did when he was on the cross, Father, forgive them, right? When that's so hard to do. Like as Stephen was being stoned, he was forgiving them the same way when Jesus was being crucified, he was forgiving them, right? As, as people were, gam- as the soldiers were gambling for his clothes, Jesus was saying, forgive them for they not know what they do. I'm not sure this is the reason why Jesus was standing, but I'd like us to consider that for a minute, that perhaps much like Jesus, when we live this way in our lives 
and live these kinds of principles. Live the kingdom way. Live the kingdom life just like Jesus. Perhaps it moves him so much where he stands up for you, where he stands up for me to give us the kind of encouragement that perhaps we need when we're living a way that most of the world is not living by. And so tonight, I hope that encourages you to consider our four points tonight, that obedience is freedom, that last is first. We can excel in, I'm not saying you can't excel at different things in the world, we can. But also remember, right, that when it comes to kingdom principles, we put ourselves last. We put others' needs before us as well. Loving your enemies and that weakness is strength. And so when you go to your discussion groups tonight, I'd like you to consider which one are you excelling at and why? Which one do you need to work on and why? And so what did we learn tonight? We learned about the upside-down kingdom. And we talked about four upside-down principles Obedience is freedom, last is first, loving your enemies and weakness is strength. Well, why are these things important? Because God wants us to live like his son. Because God wants us to live by his upside down principles that produce right side up results. And because God wants us to live life to the full. But also perhaps because God wants to change the world. And so tonight, I hope these principles encourage you in your faith. And to remember that they are difficult, they are countercultural, but boy, when we live like that, perhaps it inspires Jesus most of all. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your attention. Have a great night tonight. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 